0: So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash talkandpop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TALKPOP and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care. What up fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to another edition of Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. It's your podcast on all things pop culture. I am your host, the franchise, and always joining me is my brother from the same mother, Biko. So I'm good. And today's gonna be like a, probably like a news heavy day. I mean there's a lot of stuff going over the weekend, and of course, the one thing of course everyone's probably on their mind since the last Thursday late Thursday going into Friday. Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios has agreed to bring Spider-Man back for two more MCU films. So we will get a third <coughs> Spider-Man film, which is slated to come out in 2021. I think July of 2021, so it's going to be at pl- part of the Phase 4. And, of course, you'll also be in another MCU collaboration film, which has not been announced. But I'm thinking it's a great deal. And also, too, like Marvel Studios and Disney are going to get a 25% box office cut. So I'm thinking right now is we got two more years of spider We got basically two more films of Tom Holland as Spider-Man, which to me I'm actually enjoying. And I kind of like for the fact we get to see the finalization of the solo film wrapping up where part two left off. And of course, with the, the next MCU film he'll appear, we'll see how they write him off. Because I know Kevin Feig was teasing of him going cross over to the SCU. Marvel Universe you know the Sony Pictures Universe mm-hmm. so we'll see how that works for like Venom 2 and Morbius and all that so I wonder if Sony's gonna keep Tom Holland same too because technically his contract is up after these two films so we'll see what happens if, they, if he's gonna re-up to stay as Spider-Man we'll have to wait and see um, Biko what is your take on the whole deal going
1: on Um, I don't uh, I think it's cool because I'm, I'm a Spider-Man fan so I'm biased but I, I'm just ready to see another one that's it's good to see that Tom Holland's getting another shot and this IP isn't getting just shut down. However, um, I'm not surprised. What the hell? If people really thought that this wasn't going to just get... People are going to forget about this, Come the hell on. Don't be naive. Like, Spider-Man's been such a big property since Tobey Maguire helped launch this, and the memes have been great watching that happen. But I think if you honestly thought that, that was, they weren't going to reach some sort of deal in the war of, uh, of Sony losing their hands at being a profitable business when it comes to filmmaking and, and Marvel kind of taking their spin on things. You, you're being naive. Um, and I'd like to think that it can only get off from here. I think uh, getting the last two films of Spider-Man, um, his, solo, his solo story in the cinematic universe of Marvel has been very excellent. I think he had two very go-around, good go-arounds with Homecoming and Far From Home. Um, hopefully in the third one They don't use anything That has to do with fucking home We just want to see A different title But other than that I think it's great I don't I'm not surprised It's happening um, Kevin Feige Or Feige Go into Sony to help Them develop Their Venom series and, and I think They're just trying To allude to The Sinister Six Which if that plays out Good if not Whatever um, Just go to the comics For that I think they do A better job Of the source material Is handles that story arc a lot better or go research and do read some of the essential spider-man's story arcs that's some of the best stuff and the sinister state six is very very awesome it's very intense it shows spider-man getting challenged and all ends and i mean it's kind of like the mob coming after somebody who is infiltrating in their business except the mob happens to be six super powerful villains who all have the same goal and that's to give spider-man a living hell because he Went and interrupted his plan, their plans. So, for them to kind of bring it together into a whole new universe, um, I don't have a lot of confidence in Sony doing that, uh, because it's fucking Sony, they can't even do that, they can't even do DC just or it was Sony, right? No, it was, yeah, Sony, they couldn't do Amazing Spider Man, they couldn't do Amazing Spider Man 2 any favors. And I don't chalk that up to the actors, I chalk that up to just terrible writing and maybe directing Mark Webb I'm not saying he's a terrible director cuz I have liked him in his previous works but that's more he's he's really good at telling a story but to throw him into the like a superhero thing maybe he try to give his spin on it and I think he's good at creating and writing relationships like human relationships I think he He did a good job of bringing that aspect of Peter Parker outside of the suit. I think he was fine, but when we throw him in the suit, they try to give him all these enemies, and they're just like, "Oh, well, let's throw Rhino in there." And like Rhino, hardly got any time. Rhino, yeah, it was a joke. Like he was in the beginning, and then at the end. Like, it was fucking stupid. Like, it was just not good. And then we got the to seat. waste Paul Giamatti and his fucking acting. He's a great that. actor. To like, waste like, him in that for, what, maybe two to three minutes of actual on-screen time, maybe and five. And then when he finally gets to the suits, oh, what, the last, like, two yeah, minutes Yeah, and the movie's over. It's like, okay, we get it. But it's a rush job just like anything else. And and Sony has that same problem that DC does. and And that they, I just think that they hire people who... Dave, um, which I was actually watching a YouTube video yesterday um, from Gamer Anx. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, shout out to their contact, Gamer A-N-X. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how Hollywood's going into this, like if we saw the golden age of, of Hollywood, like a second coming ending so far as we see a lot of like Hollywood studios really just purchasing and putting all their money behind, I want to say, we'll say, creative minds who have maybe once made them money in the past mm-hmm. but they still ride their coattails and they think oh they can still make them be profitable and right now guys the movie business is not a it's not a profitable venture it's very much risk like high risk high reward and for something like disney to where we see that like they have an advantage and i think because they have built such a big universe with other IPs and other intellectual properties that they've they got us by the balls when it comes to nostalgia. So they can, still ride, they can still ride that wave because once they capture your heart's at childhood, they basically have you by the balls. So when you go up and they, they capture other properties, like what's the next one, Marvel? What's the next one, Star Wars? They capture these properties because they know what the fuck they're doing. Like they're not stupid. We're talk- Star Wars is from the what, the 70s? Right, like, Marvel yeah. Comics has been around since the, what, 30s. the 30s, the 1930s, guys. And I'm not and like DC's been around just the as 30s, long, yeah, and same. it's still good. Like, I'm a Batman guy, and Joker is my favorite, but I don't delve too deep into DC. But I do like me some Justice League. The cartoons, if you haven't seen it, fucking check it out. They're amazing work. The like, Bruce it, Tim universe of, of the DC was awesome, yeah. And like, DC, DC for their animated shit is solid. But when it comes to like their on-screen stuff, and if you watch their TV things, the Go TVs are really YouTube, good. I, I like... think it's just CG, CW soap operas. I get that. I'm not a big fan of that. But I'm, I things amuse me differently than than my brother. But and that's fine. If you, if you like that sort of thing, that's cool. Arrow's a cool character. The Flash has always been a fun character. Um, Maybe we'll see Green Lantern. I know we've seen Supergirl, Batgirl's a thing, too. Like, Batwoman, so, yeah,
0: it's coming out. Or
1: Batwoman. Like, th- those are things that are... I know it's going to still capture people's hearts. I mean, fucking Riverdale came, like... R- oh, you know, my God. Riverdale I, I, I've been hearing a lot of a good things about thing. it. I'm, yeah, like, I'm so, not a
0: big, like, fan of Archie, but... The everyone's saying it's like Archie meets Twin Peaks, which is got that's that, great. that, which is awesome, which is kind of cool because you know Archie was around like in the, because Archie's had that whole nostalgia of the fifties and stuff, but taking that concept of Archie and like giving it a more like a dark, realistic type of you know modern contemporary contemporary look. yeah a modern contemporary feel to it, you know making it dark, it's like it's cool. Which I do like. I, I mean, a lot of people are seeing positive things. And I haven't had a chance to see Riverdale yet. But I will see. It's on Netflix right now. And, of course, um, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's kind of something like that. Because, you know, with the whole Sony and, you know, Marvel thing. It's like, finally we get Spider-Man back. And plus, too, like I said, we get closure. Because if you, I'm thinking, too, now with, you know, if you watch Far From Home and you stuck around during the credits and saw, you know, J. Jones Jameson make his appearance and revealing, you know, Spider-Man's identity. I get a feeling the next film, the probably be the third film. I'm hopefully will be Kraven the Hunter, because it'd be funny if Kraven the Hunter gets like you know he'll get like he'll be his choice of hunting Spider Man down. He'll get paid by you know some group of people who feel Spider Man because now if you look at that film, at the end of that film, he's being portrayed as a murderer thanks to Mysterio and his and his in congl- his you know his, his, his te- group
1: the technology group, his his technology savvy created, group. They yeah. put out that video. That was like their kill switch. um... Safety. That was just kind of turning Spider-Man to a scapegoat. Basically,
0: they pretty much turned Spider-Man to a scapegoat. Now he's going to be targeted because now I know who he is. So it'd be cool if they bring Kraven the Hunter into it, which we will finally get to see a live-action version of Kraven. I mean, I read, man, he's part of this. And by he was one of Spider-Man's good villains because he was one of the best. He was one of the best ones because he was a hunter, but he had the serum to give him a boost. But honestly, he was a marksman, a fighter. But yeah, he just had that serum to give him that extra boost. But he like he was kind of cool, he was a mercenary, he, like he wasn't technically a villain, he was always paid by somebody, it was cool, like in, I wonder if they'll go to the route like it did in Ultimate Spider-Man where well, he had his own, reality because in Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah, he had the serum but he had his own reality show where he hunts various, you know, predators and stuff, and his prey was, I was gonna hunt the Spider-Man, so we'll see how that works, and maybe he'll be contracted in the third film, we don't know yet, I mean, it's probably being right, but it is coming out in 2021, and they're saying right now, 2021 is gonna be the First time they're gonna have like four different Marvel films coming out that same year. Wow! Because they didn't announce it's gonna come out and be in July 2021, so it'll be two years from now. And like I said, um, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully they do. They do bring from Craven into the mix. That'd be awesome to see him hunt Spider-Man. Because now you know who is he gonna turn to? You think he's gonna? I got a feeling he's probably gonna turn to Nick Fury. Mm. Or you know, because now we got the scrolls. I'm thinking too. The next collaboration could be Secret Wars. Because if you, you stuck around for the end of Far From Home, you saw the scrolls. So maybe that's going to lead to... Maybe that could be the unannounced and next MCU event, Secret Wars. They have to
1: which do a lot something. of people
0: are teasing that the possibility that's going to be the next one. So like I said, I'm happy Spider-Man staying in the MCU for two more movies. I'm just curious to see when that next film, after the third solo film, how they're going to write him off. Maybe. Mm. I'm just curious how that... And of course, Venom 2 is coming out soon. They got Andy Serkis' directing Mm-hmm. then we'll see and they got Willie right. Harrison back as Carnage you know they got Tom Hardy of course as Venom the anti-hero mm-hmm. and of course they got Morbius being the, being in, working in progress with Jared Leto as Michael Morbius um, like I said there's a lot of things going on I can't wait for Spider-Man from Home it comes out tomorrow on Blu-ray of course I pre-order it so I can't wait to get it I'm supposed to get it tomorrow from Amazon hopefully knocking on wood I get it tomorrow I can't wait um, other than that um, of course all I th- if you seen if you're like music to music this past weekend, uh, Mexico lost one of their icons of music. Um, Jose Jose. He was uh, one of the top singers compared to like um, Juan Gabriel, Vicente Fernandez, Leo Dan, all those kind of different artists. And of course, later on in life, he developed like cancer and his throat, which he lost his
1: ability to sing which is pretty typical among vocalists and singers because you develop like nodes along your vocal cord track or, or just kind of little tumors that become a problem if you don't and the only way to get the rid of them is surgically removing them but they can still hash back out and unfortunately he was fighting that and other causes and of age and um rip is definitely a big impact in the mexican music scene and, and very influential in their own pop culture scene and we grew up with listening to him when we were kids. Um, my mom's a huge fan of his, and so uh, our condolences to his family. And um, we're always trying to under just you know it's sad to always lose are these artists who have become prominent. But we're losing people every day, and it's sad to see that um, these we lose a lot of influential artists due to uh, illnesses that no matter what we do with. The advancement of medical technology. It's just sometimes you just gotta bite the bullet, and it happens. And I'll part to them, and uh, we. There's just so much shit that happens every day, and considering that we can try to get ex- an escape from these little things that we call pop culture, and just like these media and properties that we get to lose or you know, get to escape reality from for a little bit, it does help. Um, even with the news of Spider-Man coming back i i still think marvel's gonna be headed to a good direction and uh it's gonna be something to where hopefully yeah four films fuck four films throughout the whole year which hopefully it doesn't hit a set oversaturation but i think this is all hollywood has to ride on at this point because yeah we still get a lot of good other properties if they're getting the funding it'd I honestly think it, right now would be a great time for the indie circuit to really catch a hold because we do see a lot of, especially with all these streaming platforms entering the game, and um, we see these production studios such as like Amazon Studios investing a lot on their on their properties and and, and making their spend their money to make hopefully quality movies and content and TV shows. Like Netflix isn't going to stop doing that. Hulu is in that game, which is basically Disney so you know they're gonna be trying to liquidate some cash through that too and and then uh, with Disney plus hitting in the works there's a lot of content out there to keep up with and now it's now the game is is what they where they want to focus your eyes on and that could also be a problem because then we're only getting streamlined things and a lot of stuff gets hit in the wayside so, I think word of mouth is still very important uh, because that's free marketing for them. They don't have to pay for that. And so the more and more we see a retraction of big Hollywood blockbusters, I think the summers are going to definitely change. I think every year now, it's just always a superhero movie that's taking the blockbuster. So I think... We're heading into this direction to where we, I mean, if not already, we've expecting to see every, every summer, there's going to be at least a superhero movie. And I think one of them was fucking X-Men, right? Like that, that came out and I, we, I, we didn't even see it. I never, I didn't even see Dark Phoenix and... We heard it from our friend Ivan. He didn't even like it. And Ivan's a big cinema guy. Like, he he loves movies. Like, I'm a TV, like, show series person. Like, I dive into those because I like... I need constant change. (laughs) Uh, Movies, it really has to capture me in order to sit there. I just can't do it. But, um... When it comes to movies, I kind of go with Ivan (laughs) and I got him to not watch trailers anymore because I want him to to stop getting fed into the trailer trope of only getting shown the best scenes. Comedies are the worst at that because they'll show you all the main punchlines because, frankly, when you watch these comedy movies... It, it, there's just all fluff and, and it's not it's just not there and we're only getting and like I mentioned before we're only getting these only like these two producers that are doing it and like I'm not hating on the Appetite I'm not hating on the Seth Rogans I'm not hating on any of that but it's just like I'm kind of done like I haven't seen a comedy movie in, since fucking what did we want to see Kevin Hart that one Kevin Hart movie with Tiffany Haddish. the Night School? Night School movie. And that was only because our parents wanted to see it, and we wanted to get together with them. And it's not the best ever. It's kind of a stupid old-school trope, but Kevin Hart is... Did it what he could. Tiffany Haddish from Chicago, funny fucking comedian, stand up checker shit. Kevin Hart's funny too, but yeah, Rob Riggle, and in there. he's a great stand up. Rob Riggle does his thing. They, they and that's funny because they actually have people who are seasoned actors and who have done different things. And but it's and I, mean, I think Taron Killam's in there. He plays a principal, a fucking funny as hell. Like he's good. He's very stoic in his present, presentation, but like at the end of the day, these. Comedy is kind of just, as far as movie goes, it's just taking a wayside. And I think su- we're going to see uh, the superhero train keep riding strong, especially with Marvel announcing their stuff. And, and you know, Comic-Con being a big, I want to say it's like their keynote. It's like what the tech companies have their own keynote speeches. Comic-Cons and different conventions and of course are we got, perfect for that. And,
0: of course, we got New York Comic-Con coming up this weekend. Yeah, so see? a lot of the preparation and stuff going into that. Um, they want to cut you off there, my, my, speaking on the TV front, um, Stranger Things got renewed oh, yeah, for yeah. four seasons, so they showed a teaser. But apparently, it's not the case too. Um, Netflix uh, signed the Duffer Brothers to a massive deal, which they will. At, besides Stranger Things, they're going to develop you know content for Netflix, such as possibly new IPs and films, new television and films. So yeah, so we are going to get season four of Stranger Things. If you saw season three and you saw that cliffhanger about who's the American that's in Russia and of course you saw the the Russians have their own demogorgon type creature. Um it's good to see how season four is rewritten. And of course another thing too with the D C C W shows, how the whole Crisis of Infinite, the first um air reverse crossover's coming up because it's gonna lead to the end of Arrow because Arrow's going to a final season. Um they Brandon Ralph show a picture of himself as the um uh, as um Ah, oh, kind of a Kingdom Come Superman from the Alex Ross run. Mm. It actually looks really cool. Um, he, the picture actually really cool. It's paying homage homage to that type of Superman. Um, and of course, they announced um, Tom Welling is coming back as um, as the Superman from Smallville. So if you remember Smallville, the TV show that kind of kind of launched, because that was the first DC show on CW. That well, it was at the WB that time. But it was, yeah, the, the, it was like one of the superhero shows. Him, Erica Durance is gonna be back as Lois well Lane from mm-hmm. that universe. Um apparently a new AMS come to the screen or according to according to CBR.com, Birds of Prey actually Ashley Scott will return a huntress from that old TV show, Birds of Prey. And they're saying right now Linda Carr, myverage prize for role is Wonder Woman. So let we'll to wait and see how that, you know, comes to play. Because I know Burt War's gonna be in there, they haven't mentioned who he's playing, and then Kevin Conroy, who was the voice of Batman from the anime series, is going to reprise his role as an old Bruce Wayne. So you're getting a different multiverse. So we're paying homage to these different universes. So, mm. so there's like almost like a big send-off to you know, Oliver Queen, but at the same time playing homage to these other IPs and different multiverse, This is what's be called Crisis on Infinite Earth. So Brandon Roth Brandon Roth is is playing Superman, but he's also playing his part of the anime as well. So to, I'm curious to see when that happens. Apparently it's going to come on December, and then I guess the last episode will be on—the last episodes will be on— January 14th looks like so the whole thing starts on Supergirl on the 8th and then of course you got Batwoman coming out and speaking of the show Batwoman apparently Rose was involved in, in, a, in a stunt accident she had to get emergency surgery or else you know she could have like came up paralyzed during the stunt she Jeez. was performing so you know hopefully you know speed recovery and hopefully she's alright can't wait to see that and of course Joker comes out this weekend <laughs> well
1: yeah if you guys are ready for that oh well before I we dive into we can dive into Joker but I just want to say, um, I, I pulled up an article because I go on pace.com. dot com. I usually get all my shit there because I'm a big music guy, and they they cover a wide variety of things. So it's good to check up on things. And Bob Burgers started their season ten yesterday. Fuck yeah! I gotta so watch that episode. Not, if you haven't seen Bob Burgers, Bob oh
0: Burgers, my god, Bob, that's an awesome show, sure.
1: man. It's one of the best. Wonder, right, one of the one of the creative teams worked on
0: King of the Hill. So remember seeing King of the Hill? Yeah,
1: Mike Judge's baby and. Um, um,
0: but I'm one of the writers, I think his fame. name is Lauren Bochard. He worked on King of Hill, and he brought his style of comedy from King of Hill into Bob's Burgers. Oh, my God, 10 seasons. I can't believe it. i got
1: to watch them, So it's, it's, it's just one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, I can't wait for the movie, though. <laughs> and it's going to be it's, – it's just, you know, we're already 10 seasons in, so it's such, a, such an eclectic – I'm sorry, it's just an eclectic show. And obviously, when it comes to Fox, they've been riding the the – Riding the wave with the Simpsons and Family Guy for so long that um, time and time again we see a lot of animated shows get popped up and they don't last. I think they have a new one called Bless the Hearts, which um, they had the first episode yesterday. They had their first episode yesterday, and I'm already just from the animation style, which is still very important. I think I think not a, I think not a lot of people take that into consideration um, as animators are able to kind of adapt their skills onto different technology that comes out. Um, but I'm not a, I'm not a drawer by any means. But I'm always impressed with how these people are able to come up with properties um, on the fly and under strict deadlines to push things out. And and for such a platform like Fox to still to still have you know a, a night dedicated to animation shows Sunday on Sundays. It's or and like I know Adult Swim is still around, and I think it's another one that is able to kind of push that. And I think they're better for it. Because they have kind of, they have that in their branding, Adult Swim. So like if you kind of just expect it in Fox, they have to still work under these guidelines to what they have to be, you know, more uh, to reach out to a broad audience. And so I think that kind of restricts a lot of these animators to and creators to kind of n- push the boundaries, but then they still have to remain in line. And so I think that kind of doesn't. It, it provides a disadvantage for a lot of these Fox properties that are new and try to come up to take over such a giant like the fucking Simpsons and and such a such a, a, cult, a pop culture meme generator such as Family Guy that it's. And i think it's it's hard to ride that and if we're getting a new show you know blessed and then we bob Burgers is taking kind of you know a little bit of space in that market it's good to see that we have more than one show that we can turn to um i haven't seen fam guy in years and not since and i simpsons just saw because
0: so. i got hulu and i, just I don't saw, really care for
1: them anymore too much
0: Saw the us prepare simpsons i kind of like for the fact they paid homage to one of their producers who passed away also um so that's is Mendel. Um, he was a producer for The Simpsons for the first five seasons. He did um, Rick and Morty recently. Uh, Steven Mendel's his name, and they did like, a little tribute to him at the end, at the credits. They show a picture of him in Simpsons 4, and it was kind of cool. Um, basically, The, the Simpsons was that bad. It kind of, it was actually where it, good. it could kind of poke the whole, um, they kind of make fun of the whole monetizing viral videos, the whole monetization process, how it goes to it, because basically the whole story is. Homer sees this one sports talk show and he gets basically chewed out by the host. And he decides to try to stream his own ranting sports show called "The Walk Off" with Homer Simpson. And Bart gets involved to the point they start fighting. And then I guess he was streaming and became viral. And this guy who was played by John Mulaney gets voice because he's like a hipster. And let's find out how Homer makes a joke to Marge. Oh God, a hipster! Marge, get this guy a craft beer. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You're just, and the guy's wearing a shirt says buffering. It has a black t shirt says buffering. And of course, uh-huh. there was two storylines. It was besides, besides Homer and Bart. Kind of like the fact that I'm displaying the storylines in the episode. So, take a little bit of focus. So, at one part, you got Homer and Bart's story about being viral and stuff. They're fighting, being viral versus Lisa, who rarely gets into detention it's like uh, almost like making a murder but making you know a misbehavior or something it was called mm-hmm. so she gets sent to out uh, basically attacking private prisons and all that stuff so basically the school gets like a private detention facility um, by a conglomerate and it's it's kind of hilarious. So it kind of pokes fun at that. Um, it's, you know, Simpsons, you know, they're keeping up with the times. And I kind of like for the fact how they're attacking on both fronts. Yeah. So they're taking current issues but making their own parody of it, which is actually cool. But you think about it. They kind of predicting a lot of things. And that show has been going on for 31 years. This is the 31st season. I'm older than The Simpsons this is by three years. That's crazy. But, yeah, it was all that. Um I haven't seen the, the season premiere of Burger's I had to watch that. I got that in my cues. Uh, I started watching a little bit of the Family Guy season premiere. I can't wait season 18. Wow. But um, basically, uh, it's all right so far. I mean, there's not there's not that many, like, you know, cut-in gags as it was in the past. Yeah. So it's getting to that point. Yeah, they have to get away from the whole cutaway gags and stuff, which is kind of cool. So they had, like, a few things in there. Um, basically, about Peter, you know... He's being stressed at work and stuff to the point, you know, he's afraid he's going to get laid off and then stuff. And, of course, they go Yacht Rock, which is, like, that cool, you know, Summer Breeze song. They kind of parody that. So, he takes his family on a cruise. Um, I didn't watch the whole episode yet. I still left on a few minutes. So, it's all right when to start off. I can't wait for the Oroville to come back. I know they were teasing coming to go going to Hulu for their next season. So, I can't wait for that. So, they're actually going to go to Hulu for the next season. So, they'll probably get more freedom on there on that platform. Because now, you know, being a family guy under the, you know, the IP now, animation's under the IP now Disney, so we'll see how that goes on. And I'm obviously, bless the hearts, you know, Kristen Wiig's attached to that project. Well, like you said, it's something different. I haven't seen it yet, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, other than that, um, I was looking at the Anime News Network, because I'm the an anime guy. And, of course, um, I think I have to mention, um Fairy Tail showed the last episode yesterday of the final. I mean, that anime's been around for like 10 years. I was telling Biko about it. Um, the creator wrote the anime manga like in 2007. He ended in 2017, so he wrote that manga for 10 years. So, he had all that content. But, of course, there were times where the creator took breaks and, you know, the anime had to be on hiatus until they got more content in and... Of course, this anime had its final season, and the last episode aired yesterday. I'm rewatching the whole series because I actually kind of enjoyed the dub of Fairy Tail because they really have good voice acting core in that team. You got Tom Habercorn, the voice of Natsu. Um, you got very good voice actors. You got Colin Clickenbeard as the voice of Urza. Um, you got Christopher Sabat as Elfman. Um, you got really good voice actors in that project. Of course, Funimation providing the voices. So, um, so definitely something that I do recommend if you're into fancy style shown type anime that's published by Kondansha comics. Um, definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, I was looking at this right now because there's a music streaming site where they published a list of the top downloaded summer 2019 anime theme songs. But so right now we're going to the fall season of anime because they consider October in Japan they consider October the fall season. Yeah. Um. And, of course, uh, if you've ever seen this anime called How Heavy Are The Dumbbells you Lift, um, it's basically a workout anime. Basically, it's based on a manga. Uh, apparently, their theme- opening theme song, Onagi Muscle, was number one in the charts. Uh, number two was the opening theme for Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba, um, Fire Force. I haven't been reading that right now. Their opening theme song, Infernal, was number three. Um, so, it's points on the music, actually, is getting to, like, the anime music scene is getting, like, you know, notification, notoriety, notoriety and all that stuff, especially. Um, there's a lot of new animes coming out this fall. Um, of course, My Hero Academia is coming out in a couple weeks. I can't wait for that season four. I'm already caught up on the manga, so I can't wait how they do the whole work-study arc. And, of course, um, seeing Deku versus Overhaul, I'm looking forward to that fight. And, of course, you get to see Sir Eye, I- who's. um who used to be All Might's uh, sidekick back in the day. So you get to see that story between him and All Might. Hopefully they dwell on that with the anime. Of course, they announced a second film called Heroes Rising, which won't be out until December in Japan. Chen and Pai won't see it over here till like next year in the U.S. when they bring it over. Um I mean, there's a lot of new anime, new properties coming out in the fall. Um, and, of course, ongoing ones like uh, Naruto Next Generation is still going on. Baruto still going on. Of course, I'm looking forward to the 20th anniversary episode where they're going to pay homage to Naruto because Naruto's celebrating their, t- their 20th anniversary because the manga came out in 99. So it was the last one of the 90s, actually. Mm-hmm. But the anime didn't get published. The anime didn't get released until two years after. The manga was, you know, become popular and everyone start reading it. So I'm looking forward to that when it comes out. Um, there's another one I do recommend, Doctor Stone. Um, Doctor Stone basically, um, basically the whole story is um, Earth people. They go through this event called petrification, so basically all humans become petrified, like statues. And of course, um, thousands and thousands of years have passed, so the Earth like reformed, like terraformed. So basically all the buildings crumble, basically the plants and everything. And apparently this guy, um, he become, he breaks out of it um, and pretty much decides he wants to bring back civilization through science. And you get to learn, like, a lot of, like, science lessons of how to make, like, certain resources. How natural resources were made to create certain things. Like, he teaches you how he made, like, glasses, how he made, you know, electricity and all that stuff. But it's kind of fun. So it's like going through a new Stone Age, basically. Yeah. So that's the one thing I do recommend. That's another anime I do recommend. Um there's like different ones. And of course there's another thing too if you're into games, um, KFC. There's a lot of people on I'm on YouTube and a lot of things right now is you know there's like Japan is known for like dating sim games. And apparently KFC decided to come up with their own anime style um, Dating SIM game. It's called I Love You, Colonel Sanders. It's a dating game. It's actually on Steam, and it's actually free. So the KFC actually made it. They actually made it, and there's a lot of YouTubers are playing it right now. I saw the Anime Man doing it. Um, there's another um, streamer was doing it as well. And I just saw the Game Grumps. If you ever watch the Game Grumps, I do recommend they're hilarious when they do their playthroughs. They, they, um, they are doing the playthrough... Of Colonel Sanders, I think they just wrote upload the first episode right now. So yeah, it's a it's a gaming sim basically Um, and I guess someone put it on t- um, Twitter right now saying uh, yeah, yeah, another western dead trying to capitalize off quirky Japan with a wacky take on a niche genre So I'm kind of curious to see how they get their take on it. Um so like I said the game's actually free on pretty much on Steam itself and it's crazy how they're trying to like your yeah, KFC is trying to reach out to the new audience, but them because they're actually real popular in Japan though. What?
1: A uh, KFC. Well yeah, dude, they fucking The market and stuff. Yeah. They... they love our shit. everyone knows America's the best branding machine in the world. They're they're good at what they do and, and of course there's an old Neo Geo Arcade stick pros coming out soon,
0: so you get to play the old Neo Geo games soon. Can't wait to see how that comes out. Um of course, the NES, the and, and yes, the, Gen- the Genesis Mini came out, mm. not that long ago. It had like forty-two games. Um, other than that, um, let me see what I got here. Try to see what's going on in the gaming news. Um, of course, um, if you remember, next month um, Sony's going to come out. With, you know how they do that? Play games, um, PlayStation Plus games, they give it for free. Um, They're giving out the Last of Us remastered and. Um, the MLB The Show 19 So I'm definitely Gonna get MLB The Show 19 I already got Last of Us Remastered Because I bought it When I I bought the bundle When I had my PS4 And it came with the card With the download card for it So I ended up getting That a digital version of it So Of course The Last of Us Part 2 A lot of people are Talking about it It's really good And can't wait for that um, Last 3 is another one Death Stranding I'm gonna wait Until there's a sale In that game Before I get that game Because uh, it's like Playing almost like A cinematic type game Um and then, um
1: trying to think what else I wanted to say. I don't know if you got anything else, Beko. Um I would go into politics because shit's going right now, but I just, uh, <laughs> it's just not any better. It's just, America's going back down to another depressing whirlwind hole of... Our president doing his thing, and our government not really, and our Congress not really doing much to change things, even though they're all saying that they were going to impeach him. But fuck, guys, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's just still going to be a stalemate. It's just going to be long drawn, and you know we'll we'll get to that when the elections pop up. But um, from what I noticed. We have... I mean, we're going into fall season, so a lot of new shows are going to be popping up again on the radar to start doing new seasons. And I know we touched on the animation, domination stuff. Oh, yeah, TV shows. We can go back but, to that. like, if you want, I mean... Because I just
0: watched... I watched the Goldbergs um, season premiere. They, we actually parodied uh, Vacation, and uh, National Influence Vacation. It was kind of cool. It was like a little throwback to it, but they're going to Disneyland. That time, of course, it takes place in the eighties, so this thing it was around. It was around since the fifties. But they're going to Disneyland, you know, the whole thing about you know Beverly Goldberg wants the family to you know have a good trip, you know, having fun. Of course, of course, Barry and his sister are going to college, and Am uh, starting junior year and stuff. It's like you know, he's moving up in class, and she wants to have you know last you know last few moments with the family, you know. And the kind of, course, I like, kind of like at the end um, they had Anthony and Michael Hall make a guest appearance as one of the Disney cast members when they get oh, to the wow. park. And he has his name tag, it says Rusty, <laughs> which was actually kind of hilarious. So it was a little callback to that. I'm like, oh, wow. And then you had, um, they got the spinoff Schooled. It's actually really good because it like in the 90s
1: mm-hmm.
0: when they, had a little, they were paying homage to the Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, really? Yeah, so because the teacher... Uh, Lane, she's a te- music teacher. She's trying to dress like Michelle Pfeiffer, try to, you know, be there for the students and stuff. Mm. That show's not bad either. Then I saw um, the first episode of Modern Family of the last season, you know, Modern Family's ending. It's going to be the final season for Modern Family. Also. Oh, Modern
1: Family's ending?
0: They're ending this year, this season, this coming season. So I saw that, you know, Haley and her boyfriend are dealing with the twins, you know, because they had she had twin kids, a boy and a girl, so they had to deal with that. And, of course, um... Jay and his uh, venture into dog beds by Stella so that's kind of hilarious episode um, then you got single parents came out with a new episode that's one of my you know sleeper hits to me because something I came across on it was actually kind of hilarious you got Terrence Killam you got Brad Garrett in there you got a lot of these actors who I've never seen before and they're they're basically a group of um, single parents you know their kids go to the same school they're in the same grades And they hang out, basically, because they're kids. Hmm. And it was really cool. Like, the first episode was, like, you know, like, two of the kids went to space camp. One's hanging out with their... The twins are hanging out with their grandma, and one of the kids is hanging out with the the ex of one of the, the parents. For the summer, and so they're like they had like their first like kid-free summer, so they're trying to get through their hijinks and stuff. It's a really good show. Definitely do recommend seeing the first season. Terry Kilmer's in it. He's in that show, so definitely recommend seeing that. It's on Single Parents on the ABC. You can catch the episodes on Hulu. The first season's on there. And I saw Fresh Off the Boat as well too, because that show came back. That was another hit from like super hit for me. Also, this past like, it's one of those shows that came across on Hulu. And it's on ABC, and I was like, oh, you got Randall Park in there, which is hilarious in there. And it's based off, you know, that show's based off of Eddie Wong. If you remember Eddie Wong, he's a chef. He travels everywhere. He wrote a book, like an autobiography, like almost like an autobiography book about growing up and stuff, about his parents, his family, and how he got into the restaurant business and all that stuff. And then they made it into a show that based it off his life. Yeah. So, definitely do recommend watching that show. It's kind of hilarious. It's like a comedy, basically. You got different actors in there. And it's growing up like in the late 90s, basically. Mm-hmm. So, definitely. It's called Fresh Off the Boat. Um, other than that, um, I was going through my notebook. Um, if, you, if you guys were listening to Talking Bobby in the past, um, we did have an episode where we did, like, the top five lists. Because we were listening to Bunny Ears. And this, they gave us the inspirational you know, hats off to Bunny Ears. Great podcast group. Um and they gave us an inspiration because they had like a top five list for the stuff they like and me and Beagle decided you know what let's do a top five list but the problem is I can't remember where we left off because I found my notebook and it's like <laughs> I don't remember what topic we left off I think we left off at um they gave us this topic it was a random topic we, I know we left off at top five video games which we did finish that one um, the one we did leave off it looks <coughs> like here I wrote down top five female fictional character crushes oh god yeah. So if you wanna go through that Beko, see what you think of. <laughs> yeah, without sounding like a creep. Sure thing. Um I mean this is this is not just you know T V shows, it's like it could be books, you know, it could be comic books. But, you know, we went through that age when we were kids, you know, for me, you know, You know, growing up, it's like you can develop crutches on fictional characters. And it happens because you get like that, you know, develops, you know, fan groups, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And, you know, it creates like wars or creates like fan fiction based on your factions and aberrations, certain characters. So for my number five, I had Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim.
1: Hmm.
0: Because, um,. But you might think oh because of the film because of the movie because of the live action portrayal no not because of the live action portrayal because of the way I read it about the, in the comics first so I had the graphic novel of Scott Pilgrim, and I kind of like her character uh, Ramona because she, she's not your typical you know, damsel in distress she doesn't act like that you know. It's, yeah, she's going through her evil exes um, but throughout the whole series it's like she doesn't act girly she's, I see her as more like a tomboy-ish Type girl, but at the same time, it's like she. I kind of respect her for the fact that she tries to be, you know, independent, do things her way, you know, not being, you know, settled down or controlled. And eventually it does show, like, <clears throat> later on through the book series, and of course, Scott eventually goes on and saves her from Gideon. From him and um, and actually, it's really good. So I do recommend that series. But yeah, I do have a crush. I have, that's one of my female crushes because you know she shows like that strong independence. And there's one scene where she does fight one of her exes. And it's kind of cool in the comics. And, of course, they kind of tease it like that in the film as well. And I do enjoy the live-action portrayal of Ramona Flowers played by Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, which she did a good job portraying her and stuff. And I kind of, like, they showed, like, the different hairstyles and stuff that she done. And so she dyes her hair, every you often. Know, but I kind of like for the fact in the movie, they kind of, like, show, like, her different hairstyles, hair colors. So I would say she's my number five. What would be your number five? Uh,
1: did I write that? Fuck. Uh, I don't remember. Um... I guess uh, my top five right now. Um, well, what would be your number five? Uh, so, I want to say Elizabeth Solander. It's from a uh, a book from the Millennium series, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She's my girl crush. Uh, just my little crush from uh, from intellectual property because she's just fucking badass. this, this punk hacker. Who also knows how to fucking box, and doesn't take any shit, but has went through such a tough life, and I just and she's super super reserved, but she also kind of has like a heart of gold, and um in the book series she just ever she just goes through such an evolution on um but she still sticks to at least what the writing has been taking over. Um, Steve Larson was the original author, but he had passed away years before. Uh, years ago, uh, after he did complete the three books, and then uh, there's a new author uh, who took it over, which uh, I can't think of the top of my head, uh, Living Krantz, David L. Living Krantz, I think, took over. And I think he's doing a very good job. Uh, I'm very sad to see that they haven't developed more movies since the, the American adaptation of this series, uh, directed by David Fincher. So I'm a little sad to see that go But if you haven't read that series I recommend it It does seem to Somewhat be a little biased When it comes to character development But she's Not necessarily the main character But she kind of is Because the connections are kind of built around her So I think It's more or less a mystery novel So it works well In that you don't know exactly Everyone's world revolves around each other It's just they don't know it yet So they just kind of as it goes and goes along the story arc and it it takes you and weaves you to different, um, just different connections and different happenings. And it's more or less, yeah, it's, and what they do a good job on is it kind of prov- it provides a, a nice little scope into Swedish culture and how kind of the happenings. And very much like in a contemporary uh, Swedish setting and it, it Not only was I like crushing on her, I got a crush for learning more about Sweden and and learning the language and trying to learn the language and teach myself stuff too. And so I think it was very important um, to not only develop crushes that are put on screen, but uh, in a literary sense, I'm able to kind of just imagine this character being full fleshed. And I think I developed a crush out of that. I God, I I started reading their books when I was a freshman in college, so it's been a fucking while. It's almost... That's almost, like, almost 10 years ago, but... <laughs> no, that's basically, like, 10 years ago, but nonetheless, it's fucking wild. I, I That's the fifth person I put on there because I'm basically going to make this list on the fly because I can't find my notebook where I wrote this shit down.
0: Okay, so my number four, I had um Penny from The Big Bang Theory.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Not because the actual... I mean, the way her character was, but at a point in her, own, she was, like... Because the whole way she was portrayed, you know, she's, like, the dumb person. She wants to be an actress. She was a waitress. But, of course, you had, like, you know, the character Leonard paying for her. I could see why he would pine for her because it's, like, someone that he probably saw, like, she would never fall for a guy like him. But eventually, later on, she started, you know, you know, developing character-wise and, you know, doing things like, you know, hanging out with Leonard, not because... You know, because, you know, because he's with a nerd, like she wasn't embarrassed. like in the beginning, she like in the first season, she was embarrassed to be around him, but eventually she opened up her heart to him more. So, eventually, you know, they marry him. But that kind of crushed her because, for a fact, like if Leonard, because I'm kind of like, I kind of see myself like Leonard, you know, I am a geek, I am a nerd. But if he was able to find a girl like that who was willing to accept him for who he is. You know, that kind of, for me, was more like, not based on looks, but like, you know, personality. That was the way I got crush her was her personality. Like, at first she felt, you know, you know, creeped out by him at first, but eventually she opened up her heart to him. That kind of, that's what kind of like brought me over because it's like, eventually she, you know, got involved with the things that he liked. Like there's one episode where she was dressed like Woman from the Justice League, which was like, cool, because they ended up doing it for a costume contest. And she was willing to do all these things for him. And, you know, except for who he is, like, he's a big fan of Star Trek and all that stuff. And she was she was okay with it. You know, they had their ups and downs, but eventually they got married. And, you know, and if you watch the last season, they're eventually going to have a kid. So it's like, you know, it's like hope for, it brings me hope for, you know, there's someone out there for somebody. You know, that's what I get from that take from it. Mm-hmm. Not because based on looks, but based on personality. That's why she was my crush, based on personality-wise. Don't no, get me wrong, the actress is pretty. You know, I've seen her, like, in... She was in Charm. And Kaylee Krugel. Kaylee Krugel, um She was in, you know, in Charm. And she was in uh, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. I've seen her in that. I saw her more in that show. But I noticed that, that she was also in Charm as well. So she was acting for a while. But I saw her from, like, you know, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. And she was there with John Ritter. God rest his soul. Great actor. You know. So, obviously, that was my number four was Penny from The Big Bang Theory. Penny.
1: Um, my number four. Oh, yeah, I'll go number four. I'll go with Kelly Paskey, because I remember that shit. Um, (laughs) Fucking Safe by the Bell was always on every morning growing up, um, because I started going to school when I was four. I think I was kindergarten. Um, So that was, what, 1995? And Safe by the Bell had came out in 89, but it went through pretty hot, pretty strong uh, significance for, into, like, 1996, I want to say. I think it was syndication, I think. kind of Yeah, out. and, dude, that shit was syndicated every morning. So, like, we would watch Three Stooges and then Save by the Bow No, Save by the Bell would come up at 6 in the morning. I'd be up, so I'd play that shit in the kitchen. And then Three Stooges would be at 7 o'clock, and I'd watch, like, a half hour of that before going to Jesus school. So we went through that. And Kelly Kapowski was probably the, like, everyone's fucking crush. I mean, she was a high school cheerleader, your typical shit. Um, she was the, 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 the I want to say, the, the girl crush for everybody in that school, including Zach Morris, who was always trying to get a date with her, and he eventually scored and succeeded, and they ended up being married later on if he stuck around through the college years and all their little movies. But Safe by the Bell was constantly being played on TV. It was everywhere. It was it was a pretty good big cultural phenomenon because there was a lot of programming then that was still very much wholesome. The nineties were a weird time, but like <laughs> it was, it was weird for a decent reason as a kid because there was always stuff going on. And then it was wholesome enough that anybody can watch it on Saturday mornings or whatever every day. That and Fresh Prince, which is awesome. So maybe it's, I have a tie. I have a tie. It would be between him and Ashley Banks because I really did like Ashley Banks. For- Ashley it's Banks and from- Kevin especially when she was older. Yeah, I like, I really had a crush on both of them because I watched that sh- both of those shows a lot for some fucking reason. I don't know why. They were funny. Like it, it definitely played the part, and it was, and like I said, it was just it was easy enough for people to get into it, and 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 it's still I think it's still going on today. I'm not surprised if it isn't. Like I, I remember MTV picked it up for a second, and like. They they are still going strong, so I'm not. I'm I'm gonna go with the tie between those two, and and hopefully there's and they still look great to this day. Jesus Christ, like man, some people just age like fine wine.
0: I'm here for that. And number th- for me for my number three was Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. because... Uh, Listen, <laughs> Joan Hart. Yes, Joan Hart. I had a crush on Listen, Joan Hart. She was my crush because it was like late '90s, you know. Teenage Witch came out in '96. I was like 11 years old. So I was going through that age, you know do puberty around that time so you know yeah i'm at old guys um but yeah because she first pretty much you know she was cool because yeah she was a witch but at the same time she was doing stuff to help her friends sometimes she did things for selfish reasons reasons but at the same time she was learning her powers but she wasn't you know embellishing you know saying you know out there i'm a witch but she used her power sometimes to help people sometimes she's using the prank but she had that, you know, personality, like, she wanted to help people. And that kind of made me attracted to her. But also, too, I had a crush on Melissa Joan Hart because I watched her on Closer Explains it all. So I had that crush on her. But before we Sabrina out, you know, Harvey ends up being with her at the end of all, you know, when they were on ABC, then eventually went to, like, the WB when she got older, the kind of, like, you know, the career years, the college years with Sabrina. And eventually she ends up being with Harvey, so... I kind of like, yeah, so Sabrina Teenage was yeah, yeah she she's my number three, like I said, like I said, she you know Sabrina Spellman, she helped out her friends, you know, she had her guidance of her aunts, and of course she had Salem the Talking Cat, which to me, Nick Bacay did a great job with that voice, you know he's always remembered her as Salem and other voiceover roles he's done um but you know, I do have to say Sabrina Teenage was my third um to my my third when it comes to female crush um fictional character
1: crushes. Mm-hmm. Number three, um, number three, because I, I already fucking know my number one, but number three, I want to say, I, I feel like most of my crushes are live action, um, with the, with the, with the exception of the book, uh, God, where, where's the other show I used to watch? Oh, I can't remember what it's called, uh, I really liked, um, God, I hate to see Kelly Kapowski again. But um, no, that's that's not true. I like Topanga. Topanga Lawrence. Oh, okay. She was going to be my number one, but I might have another one in line. But Topanga Lawrence was probably uh, another like freaking person who took little boy's hearts. If you were a fan of Boy Meets World, she was everywhere. Um, the Tiger Beats stuff was really big back then. And they're still going on. And so she... Was on Boy Meets World fame. And that show started relatively early. It was like 93 or so. Yeah. It was really early. And then that show lasted until 2000, 2001 almost. So, like, we got to see all of them grow up. So, like, it was really good. And then as a kid, I, I grew up just watching it because this show was everywhere. So, I think Topanga just took everybody's hearts by storm. And her name is fucking Topanga. No, you. it was already... It was already like random enough that you had to first learn how to even say it like how do you even say that and then she just says a knockout and even to this day she's still pretty hot and i haven't fucking like oh man these it's we get so lucky sometimes but growing up she was super super influential on in that and she played a strong character too uh she was definitely they made her right they wrote her out as like as a very eccentric little girl like girl who kind of didn't she was very woke very woke in those times so i think they did a great job in writing these not so conventional characters like the 90s went through a big change when it came to these convention, like as far as finding finding and um, following the the sitcom tropes mm-hmm. that a lot of the 70s and the 80s went through the 90s really put that over and upside down and started developing characters that can be more relatable especially on the female end because Females were always played as like you know the second fiddle to the male characters, and there were- st- I'm not saying there weren't centric shows like that to where the the head of the household was the man who kind of everyone kind of culminated around, but we did see very a lot of female characters who were able to hold toe to toe with uh the male the male uh character character type that couldn't be relatable still, but then we find girls who would just hold their own and and she was definitely one of my favorites, and fuck, like I still have a crush on the Penguins to this day. So I don't <laughs> want to say Tomango is my number three, even though I want her to be number one. Oh, um, excuse me, but I definitely I could put her on number three. I feel good about it. I'm not. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna regret that. She's good. Okay, number two. I had to put it in there because
0: I grew up with this character, Marge Simpson. Nah. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. I know. Marge Simpson. Because number one, she was the milf. Yeah, Mark To me, she, she was, my like, my MILF. So, honestly, all the stuff she has to put up with, you know, Homer's stupid shit. And, you know, raise, you know, she does a phenomenal job raising the kids. Yeah. And, honestly, she looks good for her age. She does. Because even though they never mentioned their ages, they, yeah, they had birthdays in the past. But, they, but she looks good for the way, you know, dealing with Homer, dealing with the kids, you know, dealing with Bart. You know, not that, that much with Lisa, but... She's had episodes where, you know, she had opportunities to leave Homer, but she always stayed loyal to him. Because there was that one episode with her and the bowling instructor who, like, she even had a fantasy about going away with him. And she eventually stuck with Homer or um, that one her old high school like boyfriend back in the day, Artie Ziff, always kept going after, her, but she's always stayed loyal to Homer. Even though they had their fights, to me, yeah, she was my crush because number one, if Homer being the guy that he is. Was lucky to get someone like that, you know, it's like, you know, if that's somebody like she's loyal. She'll stand by Homer through thick and thin, through all the stupid, you know, stunts that he's done, you know, put the family through and what Bart has done in school and stuff. She was always there for her family. She stayed loyal. That's what kinda like made me drawn to her was based on her loyalty, not just her looks, but her loyalty. Her patience and pretty much, you know, able to help out. Get her family out of a jam Always holding the house To me I see her as the head of the household Not Homer Because she nah. she's the Fucking one that She's the one She's the one who ran the house She's the one who had to pull up With all that stuff Yeah Even though Homer To me Homer was Homer was the comical foil She was the You know the rational person To you know Step in and Take charge yeah, there've been some episodes, you know, episodes were around for so many years that Homer was the main focus. But to me, it was like Mars you know, taking charge. And think about this: she was one of the first fictional characters. She was the first fictional character to appear and uh, have her own spread on Playboy.
1: Oh yeah, I was gonna say that. Yes, yeah, she was man. Like that's how that's how trans- transcendent she was, guys. She fucking was in Playboy. A, which was, like, the earlier versions of, like, what hentai is now. <laughs> <It> just, <laughs> people are like, giving people shit for that. It's like, did you not forget that a Simpsons character was on Playboy? And Playboy is not the same editorial magazine as it was years ago. I think they took now out news articles. So on it. yeah. it's, it's just great articles, which people, which husbands everywhere were always saying, honey, I get it for the articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but now they can fully say it's for the articles because, it's like, you know, I mean, like if you want to find it, you'll change. find it. Like, it's not, it's not that difficult, but... Yeah, fucking Mark Simpson was the ultimate, like, wifey material. Yeah. Um, That was number two. That was my number two. So what was yours? So number two, I kind of have an all-around as I look at this one little countdown, but I just forgot about them. But uh, I want to say the fucking Spice Girls. All of them. The Spice Girls? Really? Even though they're not fictional, but, like, the band itself was once they made that terrible movie. Oh, God. um, They became. There were like the. They were basically like the female Beatles of the '90s, and they happened to be from England, so it was wild. And I, unfortunately and fortunately, had the pleasure of getting that movie thrown and brainwashed into my head because of our. um, I would always get babysitted by my aunt, and her. She had a, a little cousin of mine. She would always watch that video that movie, uh, on repeat all the time. And, and we had to watch it. We had to suffer through it all the fucking time. And the Spice Girls were everywhere in the 90s. I remember they announced a tour, a comeback tour a, la- a couple years ago, and I think they went on it, and I'm sure they're successful. But, like, you could pick whatever your for- favorite spice you want. You got each one. Sporty, scary, baby, uh, fucking posh, who's married to David Beckham. So he gets to live his ultimate fantasy that we all fucking maybe had. Changer. That he married Posh, and then all oh, Ginger Spice Spice's right. Ginger Spice who tried to be her a little, do her little solo career, but that didn't patch out. So like, which I think, man, if any, if they should be mad about like One Direction taking off, but nonetheless, like in them being able to do their solo things, and I think that's all they do now. So I, which one did you had, like? Which one did you one like the, the most? I was definitely who are you more into though. Because I'm looking at a picture now. Um, you know what? If I were to rank them. Which is, you know, fucking, well, it's sexist to see. But, I, like, you know, we're doing a countdown of crushes. So, I think I, the one I crushed on the most was Ginger, man. I think she was spunky. But I think an uh, honorable mention would be Scary Spice, too. I like them both. Mel B is still pretty attractive to me. But I like them both. I, I think Ginger Spice was really, was, I, I don't know. I have a thing for Redheads. I think that's what it is. But... Um, collectively, I had a crush on them because I just kept seeing them. And no, I'm not saying the movie is terrible, but, like, they had some funny moments. Whoever directed it did all they can f- to ride that train because they were fucking everywhere. I think to the point that if they kept going in notoriety, I don't know exactly why they just, like, disappeared. Maybe they just left all their 90s, What the- they left themselves in the 90s, but that shit, they could I was surprised it didn't pop out in an Austin Powers movie. Like, I was surprised. Because yeah. Austin Powers came out in 99. They were still really Yeah, but relevant. remember, he was, um... Well, his character was from, like, the 60s and stuff. He yeah, got but it But matter. they could have paid they Yeah, you're right. It, it was, like, 99. Yeah. They could have pay homage to it. They and were... they didn't even say anything about the Beatles. And they were big. Like, you're telling me they couldn't do a trope like that? Or the Stones? Like, they didn't. So, but, like, yeah. he could. They could have at least, like, thrown him in there for cameo. But they can have Beyonce in that shit. Like, come on. But nonetheless, that's my number two because I had to fucking switch the list around. But I, I'm I'm making them my number two is collectively as the
0: Spice right. Girls. My well, number one of all time right now because she's also she's animated as well. So that's my uh, second anime. Um, Ochako Raka from My Hero Academia. Of course, I mentioned that anime a lot. Um, to me, reason why not because of the way. Well, she's she's cute in her own right, but at the same time, she to me she kind of broke the shonen gender, just shonen like stigma when it comes to like lead care, female lead characters um, because she's not you know lovey dovey over the main protagonist. She has ambition. She has her own goals, and she can show she can pull her weight. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me draw to her. 'Cause she can be like a girl next door, but at the same time she has her whole goal is to, you know, become a hero, you know, study, go through a hero course, control her powers, develop them better. To the point where she'll get a job and you will know, support her parents. I kind of like her for her goal. She wants to help her parents. She wants to help her family because her parents run a construction construction company that's not so successful. Even though as a kid, she offered, like they did like a nod to her backstory that she even as a kid she had her gravity powers and she wanted to help her dad and stuff. And her dad's like, no, just focus on your studies. We'll be okay. Just focus on your studies. We want, they want we want to see you grow as a person and develop your quirks and that's why I kind of like her a lot because for the fact is she can hold on her own and you know she's not you know the damsel under stress and she's not you know lovey-dovey all the time like she's not thick-headed or anything like that she's got a great personality she's willing to help others and you know she's there for her friends and like I said she has her own goals of you know becoming a pro hero in her own right so to me that's my number one girl crush will be Ochako Uraraka from My Hero Academia you, you know, I had Sailor Moon as an honorable mention because um, she was one of my first crushes when I got into anime. Or, and my other honorable mention would be Boma from Dragon Ball. Uh,
1: Bulma. Boma. Who
0: doesn't love Boma? Come on. <laughs> so, to me, right now, Ochaka is my number one.
1: Boma. Alright, look at that. A little honorable mention. Um, Alright, so my number one. <laughs> My number one would have to be uh, Alyssa Milano from Double Dragon and from Who's the Boss. <laughs> Double Dragon. Because tra- I fucking like, Who's the Boss? I, I That show was funny. Tony is still funny. I, I don't know. I haven't seen him in anything yet, but that's Alyssa not Milano. But Alyssa Milano in Double Dragon and in uh, Who's the Boss from my little kid years. And then when she was in Double Dragon, holy shit. She played the, the part of being like their spunky sidekick. Uh, who's in the dystopian future for Billy and uh, what's his name again? Billy and Jimmy from Double Dragon, which is an awful movie, by the way. It's probably not on Netflix anymore, but you can look it up on YouTube. Um, And you can also check out, if you just do a Google search of her, Alyssa Milano and Double Dragon film, you'll see what I'm talking about. And geez, she was just so hot. Their neon green hair and her her like punky grunge dystopian look that was just very like prominent in the 90s she was just kind of like the female sean hunter <laughs> and so and me and, and you know, i even talk about it a lot we always look back on it fondly and we're just like damn do you remember elissa milano and we're just like yeah we this is what me and i even do we fucking get together we talk about all these awful movies we've seen but we always fall in love with characters we like and then it's 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 funny because it's like how why do we remember only that shit and like as dudes i think that's what it is is that we look back and remember these shows because then there's always like a a very attractive female that's thrown in there and that's like i think that's what kind of revisits things and then you remember oh you know it is actually a really good show of like sabrina Teenage twitch with melissa joan hart like she was great too but she's also very attractive so it's just like ah oh, fuck what are you gonna do man humans are still biological creatures we can we can separate as much as we fucking can from everything. But at the end of the day, we're still very much animals or humans are animals. So they have to, they have to, you know, go with primitive means. It's The more human you become, I think the more naive you become to forgetting the the biological animal side of things and how you're going to be attracted. Your body will tell you if you're fucking attracted to somebody. And I, and I think like even if it's fictional stuff. And I know I've seen this, especially in anime, how they try to animate female characters with big busts and, and, and crazy, disproportional bodies. And I'm sure that's just how it is in the, the reserved Japanese culture. So it's like they're not able to express themselves like that freely, not like in America where sex sells every day. And anything, in all aspects, fucking just go on YouTube. Like, you can just find it everywhere. But in Japan, since they're so reserved... And they have a very considerate and reserved, polite kind of culture. They tend to express themselves as far, and it could be at pervy at times, but they express themselves through their animation and their work, and that happens to be in the biggest money maker as far as intellectual property is, and that's anime. So, I don't, I mean, like, it's hard not to, I mean, even remembering Dragon Ball Z, we had Bulma, uh, Android, what was her name? 18. 18. Like, dude, so many hypersexualized characters. I mean, fucking Master Roshi was the worst perv out of all of them. <laughs> I mean, even if you were to read the manga, it's pretty up there. It's pretty racy as far as that goes. So, it's just kind of like... That shit's always been around. And it's funny to see that people kind of pay negligence to it. And it's like, you can't... It's like even watching, like, the old school um, TGIF lineups. Like, they always... People, they, they lived off of this stuff. They... And they didn't do it just with the females. They did it with the males, too. Zach Morris and, and A.C. Slater were, were doing photos for, like, Tiger Beat when they're on the beach shirtless. And, I'm, and they were pumping iron because they were going through puberty, too, on these shows. And they were using their characteristics to sell things, too. Sean Hunter was a big boy crush for people. Um it's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alex P. Keaton from uh, Family Ties. Like Michael J. Fox was, a, was you know, he was a he was a handsome little fellow back in the day too. <laughs> like, and he was, and he was in Back to the Future, and, and he made a lot of prominence in Family Ties too. Like all these different characters are attractive dudes. Like they still went and threw them in there. So it's like they try to feed both ends of the spectrum. And for anybody who's attracted, like I said, just. We we do this out of as a, out of reflection and out of creepiness. No, it's just, no, a it's just res- like you know, Hopefully people you have, have different. Respect.
0: You know, it's like yeah, they have different like likes. You know, come on, you're not the only ones. You you watch TV, you gotta just have a crush on a fictional character. It's normal. People have it's fan groups. Normal. People develop fan groups. They develop fan fiction. You know, it's that it shows your respect for the characters itself, your admiration for them. So it's like you see fan art all the time of their favorite characters. A lot I seen on Reddit, I seen on, on, on the anime, you know, subreddit. There's a lot of people doing fan art of these characters. And then of course, like these characters from TV appear on memes and stuff. And of course, they do magazine spreads and all that stuff. That's where you get that credit, because due to their popularity on these shows, yeah, they'll get pushed for magazines and publications and stuff to do photo like ops and all that stuff. So it, it happens. Um, moving on, of course, this is one topic that, you know, the next five, top five was something that I had more. The next two will probably be something I had more of. I don't know if you'll have something. If you want to use yours as a replacement point of them. I had the t- top five professional wrestlers. Oh.
1: I mean, you um, can read
0: that if you want. And then if you have a list for something different, you can do yours. Um, for my top five, I had number five is Hulk Hogan. As my fifth, because yeah, you know, not him now, but you know, even though now he's you know making up for the shit he said. Um, but back in the day, you know, when I was watching professional wrestling, you know, he was like, he was wrestling. He was the icon back in the day. Every time we mentioned wrestling, the first thing that comes to your mind was Hulk Hogan. Because he was the face of WWE at that time. I and mean, I remember watching Saturday mornings on Superstars, you know, him messing with, you know, Teddy Diossi or messing with uh, Macho Man. I remember Saturday Night's made event at NBC late in the day. And then at night on Saturdays, I had him teaming up with Macho Man right he which is the mega powers. And then, of course, you know, eat your vitamins, uh, train your body, say your prayers, you know. That was his mantra and stuff. And, of course, the song, I'm a Real American, was kind of every time he came out to that. Um, of course, his film, some Suburban Commando, Three Ninjas at Magic Mountain or something. And he came out in different films as well. Um, yeah, i number five. Um, number four, I had um, Seth Rollins. Mm. Because he's a guy, you know, I never saw him in indies. I saw him in NXT a little bit. He can hold on his own, you know. He did a good job in his characters. He went through different character developments. He was Tyler Black in the Indies. And then he developed the character of several Rollins when NXT went through a change of pace and change of phase. Because it was FCW until WWE decided to bring back the NXT brand. Because NXT back in the day was more like a, a competition-based thing where wrestlers were competing in different contests. They would had matches, but it was more like they get assigned a mentor, like a pro's or mentor. And they do certain challenges, but of course when Triple H and Dusty Rhodes, before uh, Dusty Rhodes passed, they took over and revamped it and made it towards a developmental territory mm-hmm. in Florida. And to me, that's why I saw Seth Rollins before they brought him to the main roster, because they used to have NXT back on WWE.com. It was the only time you got to see episodes, so you had to go on their website to watch them, because they didn't have a network yet. And his matches in NXT were really good. He was the first NXT champion. He was the first ever NXT champion, and of course, he got brought up to the main rosters of S.H.I.E.L.D., and of course, you know, he went through that that stable, which to me was one of the good stables, so the modern era was almost like the NWO, but they didn't have more people. They just kept the same core three, and then, of course, he broke on his own, became known as the Architect, all that stuff, and um, he gained different names like King Slayer, the Beast Slayer, and... You know, right now he's the universal champion. I do respect Seth Rollins because he worked through hard, through pain. You know, he had various injuries. Um, and he's still, you know, he's trying to, you know, help, you know, carry WWE through a new generation of, you know, wrestlers and stuff. So that would be my number four. Number three would be the man of the hardcore legend Mick Foley. I mean, here's a guy who, if you look at him, didn't look like he had the build of a professional wrestler. But back in the day, he was good. Like, even he, when he was training, when he was in the early days, WCW's Cactus Jack. He you know, had an unconventional wrestling style. He always did his finishers from the outside of the ring to the floor, he did like a flying elbow. And of course he ended up losing, I read his autobiography, Have a Nice Day, which I still have, in hardcover. And um, he pretty much, he went through like a lot of training schools. He had to sleep in his car. That's outside the school, the train. And he talked about how he lost his ear in a match in Germany against Vader. He lost part of his ear. Because he got cut and apparently he got caught in the ropes. And when he got out, he kind of ripped the rest of his ear off. So they had to fix his ear a little bit. Um, and then he talks about his Hell in a Cell match against the Undertaker. It's a guy who was willing to put his body on the line just to help, you know, the business. You know, at that time, because you had the money Night Wars. You had to add to it. He was willing to go through hell in that match with the Undertaker. And Undertaker at that time was fighting with a... He had a broken leg as well, so they're, both guys were injured. But he had to work around, you know, Undertaker, had, you know, working on uh, injured legs. You know, so it was like, you know... They made it work, and to me, that match is to me was one of my top matches. And of course, he's a guy who had different different personas. He was developed different characters. You had the hardcore style, Cat this Jack. You had the fun loving, you know, having fun, do love. And then you had the Enigma, the kind of like creepy esque uh, Mankind. Mm. But of course, I remember the Rock and Sock connection and his work with Dwayne Johnson. And to me, he's a Hall of Famer. He's always willing to help out other wrestlers. I kind of like for a fact now that he gave my um, wrestler Bray Wyatt, who's right now doing the Fiend persona, he gave him the Man of the Claw. I kind of like for a fact he's one of the legends who's willing to sell, pretty much pass the torch of the finisher to a new wrestler, to an upcoming wrestler, or to a future big superstar like um, Bray Wyatt. To me, he would revamp his character, which to me I kind of like that character now. a could revamp it a bit. Mm-hmm. But I'll see McFoy, number three, number two. CM Punk. I know I've been. I know right now it's been. He's been making waves right now in the media recently. Ever since he did his tryout for the backstage show on Fox One for WWE. So we'll see how that goes. But to me, he was the reason I got back into wrestling because I'll talk about my number one why I got away from wrestling. But number two, he kind of like when you looked at him, he's not what you what you saw was like the big you know wrestler type. Because when you see wrestlers that back then, they were like these big bulk. Guys, you know, that's who Vince man saw back in the day. But Punk was different. He was somebody, you know, He his character was more like an embellishment of himself. Because, of course, he was straight edge. He never drank. He never smoked. He didn't do drugs because that's how he grew up on. He grew up on that culture. But he wasn't a big guy, but he was athletic. He made it for athleticism. He integrated a lot of, like, the MMA-type fight style. And his promos were great. Like, of course, the infamous promo he did on all those years ago in 2011 in Las Vegas. We did that whole shoot on the business, which was kind of cool. Went to the cut off his mic. That's the pipe bomb, they call it. And of course, you know, the whole Summer of Punk and stuff to me. Um, it was sucked when he left in 2014. I can see why he left because if you listen to that podcast, you see all the stuff that he's gone through for the WWE and how they end up repaying him for it. Mm. But now, you know, years have passed, and the recent maybe he did a star a few weeks ago, I like last month. He's already over the whole WWE thing, like the whole the, the bad blood between them, that like he's in a good place. You know, he's working on different projects. You know, he did the MMA thing, he's working on comics, he's doing films. You know, and he's coming up with a film called Girl on the Third Floor that they film actually in the northern suburbs of Illinois. Mm. So that's just coming out this year. I'm looking forward to it. He's in that other movie called Rabid. That's an art film, he's in also, and and like I said, he's doing. I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to see more from him. Um, and number one will probably be somebody who come on, has to be number one. He's a Texan. He likes to drink beer and open up cans of whoop ass. I'm talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin because to me, at that time in the '90s, he was my Hulk Hogan at that time because he was a guy who represented like the blue collar worker who you know didn't take shit from anybody. Who in my mind were be able to go to work every day and decide, oh, well, I'm going to beat the shit on my boss? The McMahon and Austin rivalry was so good in the 98 and going into 99. It was really good. Um, of course, Austin in the last few years, you know, he had, a, he had that neck injury. He got from Owen Hart. And of course, he worked hard going through 98, 99, trying to change his wrestling style. Because back then he was more like technical. But of course, he had that injury to Owen Hart. He had to make sure his matches are dead not to get dropped in his head. Because he got to the point that after the injury, he could have got paralyzed. He worked his way through 99. And, of course, they had to write him off so he can get that spinal fusion surgery. That he was out for most of 99 and most of 2000. He came back, tried to do a couple of runs as champion. And, you know, there are some question of storylines that he regrets doing, like character turns. That he regrets turning. And, of course, he had that, I was able to see his last match against the Rock. even though they never mentioned his last match. And the funny thing is, I was listening to one of his podcast episodes... Where he did a watch-along, he was talking about his last match against The Rock and going into it and all the things that was going through his mind, his health and all that stuff at that time. And it was kind of cool because the other thing, if you pull up the network, you can watch-along and he was doing commentary for the match, which was really kind of cool. And I saw when listening to his commentary from his perspective, and you can see why that match meant so much to him being his last match was that time, you know, it was the injuries and, you know, cut up to him basically. And it's like you feel burned out eventually, you know. It's sad when you have to walk away from something you love doing. And it's kind of hard, for, even with athletes, you know, with the whole injuries and concussions and all that stuff, things happen, you know. It's kind of hard to walk away from something you love. My guy, myself, you know, I like to play around and have fun, play pickup against my friends. I had a couple of injuries and, you know, I had an unintended concussion, which to me, it's, you know, I can't do that much heavy shit anymore because of that. Because I don't want I do get some concussion-like symptoms later on, and, and I don't want to risk, you know, my health and all that stuff. So, but to me, Austin to me was wrestling in the nineties. You know, he's always going to be my number one wrestler of all time. You know, you can mention anybody. You know, I, you know, I didn't mention Ric Flair. I didn't mention, you know, him, the Fabulous Freebirds and you know, all. To me, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I don't know what top five you had for that one, Bico. Like, I was want to replace that at the list. Um,
1: God, I wish I. Um, no, I don't know. I don't. Really, <laughs> I don't really have a top five for anything. I just. Uh, I wish I did. Uh, only because I lost my damn list. But um, I want to say the top five things that ruled for me as a kid growing up in the '90s would had to be um, well, for one, hip hop and, and, and music. So hip hop and, and rock was something that ruled my life. Uh, that has to be like number that'll be my number one for sure but uh number two for me would have to be uh sports so basketball was something that ruled my life so i think the biggest thing that to take away from there were the chicago bulls um you know and considering we grew up in chicago it was a fucking it was a great time to be an nba fan um watching probably the best player ever well That's Which is still up for debate because there's so many players that graced the the court, but Michael Jordan was everywhere. The Chicago Bulls were the big deal in the 90s. Um, I know people go crazy for Golden State having their dynasty, but they they seem to forget that the Bulls ruled the 90s. They may not have won every—they had two three-peats. They may have not won throughout the whole decade, but they ruled it. And they were everywhere. I mean, they made a movie on them with Space Jam. Like, even Space Jam being itself was such an accommodating, such an impactful thing. And if you were a fan of cartoons and and basketball and the NBA being so big, you would get both of those. Um, And I think sports bled into the pop culture. And it was in our movies. There were so many sports movies out there with the Mighty Ducks, The Sandlot, um, Little Giants, Little Giants, uh, The Big Green, just all. Oh, I forgot about The Big movie. Green. They literally jumped to every single sport to make a thing. I think Disney got into it with their original series. They did fucking across. they did uh, horseback riding, they did so many tropes that they're making movies on everything. I, uh, they made a movie on a, a baseball-playing monkey. They made a movie on on a dog playing every fucking sport imaginable like everything and it started out with basketball so like i i played sports a lot of sports growing up and i was always outside so i i got to be able to kind of learn my way through that through different sports and and through music and through and doing different activities that you do as a kid um that i don't think a lot of kids are able that they don't do that to, to this day. I'm sure there's kids that still play outside, hopefully, but you just don't. It's just not the same time anymore. And it, it makes me a little sad because it's like looking 30, 20 years down the line, maybe even 10. I don't think kids would even be able to do a, fi- a top five of of sports. They liked playing growing up or they saw that in, in their movies because they don't really do sports movies anymore. Like, they did sports even on football. Like, they made... Like, they don't even do sports movies anymore. Like, it's not a thing. Like, they do it for, like, straight to Netflix. Like, not... Like, documentaries or something like that. Like, documentaries and stuff. But, like, our streaming platforms have become the next straight to DVD. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just what it is. People won't call it that, but it is. And And it's fine. It's convenient. I'm one of them. I get it, but... I, I feel It makes me sad that I don't think kids are able to do the same. They're not going to have the same experience, and I know it changes from generation to generation, whatever that even means, but it, it's sad. Um, but I think during the 90s, even fucking hockey, man, Mighty Ducks, like there was a big deal back when Emilio Estevez was still a thing, and shout-out to Emilio Estevez, man. He was great. He still is, and he was in, there, in everything, and... it's sad to see that our our content is getting kind of saturated and in somewhat the best way but not the not where it could have gone because of the risky investment and so i think the landscape of entertainment has completely changed and that's fine it's more or less reduces you to your home but like after watching a I remember when I was a kid, like, after watching a game or watching... Like, if I didn't watch the Mighty Ducks or whatnot and, like, their street skating scenes, I would never want to go out there and rollerblade or some shit. I never wanted to go and ride my bike if it wasn't for that. So I think us being such big pop culture fans, and, and I know it sounds bad that this is not my, like, top five list. It's more like a reflection, but... Uh, those Those properties made me want to go and do stuff. It made me want to try things. And... I'm not saying that kids don't get to do that today with Minecraft and Fortnite being a fucking transcendent thing, and I find I, I don't I still don't understand Fortnite. I played it a couple times. I'm okay. I'm good at it. I'm good at not playing that. <laughs> I'm good at not incorporating that. But I could see why it, it holds such value. Things people like different stuff, and I get that. Like it's just a sign of the times, a sign of aging. You're not into the same thing, and I think. With the 90s being such a weird time to grow up, but also a fun time because the, the world, as we know it, wasn't the same uh, after the way our politics run and how the, the country works and how our culture has changed. With the Internet being such a big digital transformation and us kind of living our lives separately from the, re- the real world and onto our phones and onto our tech, I think um, I th- I personally thought we were going to kind of incorporate that into the real world which i know it does for exercising but as far as um films and tv being something to where we were still i i I think art the influence of things have changed i don't think people want to actually and then hearing these things that are on your phone and reading these things that make you nervous it makes you not want to go out and like to this day, my favorite thing to do is if I'm able to do it, is go play basketball. I don't think when I play basketball, I just do, and it, it feels good. No. It takes you away. So I think with the top five list, it's good because we kind of revisit our childhood and see what where we've grown, and see what our interests changed. But I think it's important to pay homage to what you kind of shaped you, man. Like these shows were as cheesy as these shows were sometimes, like Family Matters or Fresh Prince, or like everyone trying to be cool and edgy and and leading into some. I think the golden age of of TV, like there's so much shit out now that it's only got, like TV content has only gotten better. And with, movies, different show, yeah, with different shows. Yeah, with different shows, get getting, being able to get notoriety on these streaming platforms, I think with that taken over, movies have just kind of dwindled down. I mean, if it's not a superhero movie or something I extensively researched that I was waiting for, I'm probably not going to fucking see it. Which I wanted to lead that into our Joker talk, man. I'm going to say it, that. We'll say that Joker talk for another episode. You want to say that for another one? Because we still need to watch it. Yeah. Um, we'll which is have... coming out this week, right? We're going to try Gold this
0: weekend. We'll try and make out that Joker, and then we'll give her a review on it. Yeah. And uh, we I got one more list. This will be like the oh, last yeah. top five yeah. list before we wrap up. Um, top five music artists. Oh, cool. So that's something off your alley, Biko. So here's my top five. My number five is, you know, he's been making news, even when he's, like, passed on, he's still making waves. Um, to me, he always, to me, he'll always be the king of pop, he'll be Michael Jackson. Yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of him musically, you know. We don't know what went on when he was a person, you know. Yeah, you got these documentaries saying, oh, he was this, you know, he was that. But like I said, the only people that know who he was are the people that were close to him. But I respect him for his music, you know. He was a king box. He had so many hits. He went to different genres, you know. He growing up, you know, his dad was always taking charge and you know, he grew up with his brothers, they had the music with Jackson Five. He decided to branch out on his own, make music, you know, entertain people, but he always cared about kids. He always cared about the kids, you know, helping the organizations and all this stuff. And he did a lot of collaborations with different artists. So my favorite song from Like Beat It, Billy Jean, um Black or White, they don't care about us. You know, black, I mean, there was different difference. Like, his music videos was only well done, like, thriller to me. It was kind of cool. It was like a match of the old Monster movies, and also having Vincent Price do a voiceover was kind of cool and all that stuff. And yeah, it
1: was big. was big to me. He's my number five. He'll yeah. be your number five. Oh, fuck. Um, I don't mind. I don't mind going with Michael Jackson number five. I mean, fuck. He, God, like say, yeah, say what you will. We all kind of knew he was creepy anyways. He had a fucked up childhood to go with it. This guy's been famous since he was like five. So for him, I'm not, obviously I'm not disc- I'm not disc- like discrediting whether he did those things he's accused of or not, but the guy's dead. But what you will, as far as the artistry goes, like he's probably one of the biggest influences and a lot of artists you probably listen to today. Obviously, they're not going to come out with it in the, public's, um, the public forum of, of conversation of whether they think he did or not, because at the end of the day, he's dead. And if it's true, I feel for those children, for whoever he did. But at the end of the day, we don't know. We generally don't know. So, But for his artistry, like, God, he was a hit machine. Even the things that weren't hits were some... He never had album fillers, man. He never, and even if they were like, there's still songs that you can read, go back to and listen to, from time to time to come. Thriller, being one of the best albums of all time. Uh, videos, each song on there was a hit. Like dan- you can dance to it. He made ballads. He made dance songs. Even well into the '90s, he was making. He still had a sound that you can, like you can tell, he was a, a, an expert at his craft, and he was a songwriter and and a singer. And an excellent dancer, like if you don't He was a perfectionist Yeah, he was a fucking perfectionist. Have
0: you seen that the one that documentary on oh, This Is It? Like the like the did. yeah. When he was trying to come do a combat wow. tour before he passed away, you know. You show how he how much dedication he put into that, you know, the performance and stuff when it was just rehearsals, but he the was way, old. He was up
1: there. He was still moving up there, yeah. He was still moving now that up there. he was like fifty I think he was when he passed away. To be an entertainer since you were a kid, I mean it's crazy and Say what you will, like, all the beehive will come out and be like, oh, Beyoncé does this. I'm like, yeah, sure, for sure, but do you forget Michael Jackson? Yeah, the Chris Browns and all this stuff, but, man, you got to be kidding me if you don't think... You don't credit, as, you do yeah, him as influence. You infants. have to be kidding me to, if you were to ask... If you took a survey of a lot of prominent artists in the room and music artists and acts, and they say that they don't, they don't count Michael Jackson as an influence onto their work, they're lying to you. It's just it's the, the truth. There's even metal bands who will contribute to the fact. I remember an interview with Skrillex, is the biggest, like a big fan of Michael Jackson. And he makes dubstep, and he came from a post hardcore band. Like, he, and he loves it. So it's like music, music is all around. You can pigeonhole yourself all you want, but music is all around. And, and Michael Jackson, I think, would be a good number five. Um, yeah.
0: My number four will be the piano man, Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah. Because he's got so many hits, he's done so, so many things. I mean, he's got. You know, he did so many different genres of music. You know, he's still rattling. Yeah, he hasn't come up with new stuff. He always playing the classics. But to me, that's, you know, his classics still hold to this day. You know, he's got Piano Man. We didn't start the fire. You know, there's many different ones he's done. Um, I go to Extremes, which I do like. I saw the video for it for the first time. And kind of like that video. The video is kind of cool. Um, He's done, like, different styles, He's on ballads as well, and to me, he's my number four. would probably be Billy Joel. Like, I would love to see him in concert. But I know somebody who went to go see him in concert, and he had a good time. He enjoyed it because all he does is play the classics, you know? it's It, like, it gives the people a nostalgia feeling like going to his shows. And he's still doing it at, at his age. He's yeah. always, to me, will be the piano man. <laughs> okay.
1: What would be your number four? Oh, God. I don't... I don't even have a list because I never narrowed this down. I'll just, I'm going to... Like, I'm going to comment on what your just choices are. This is better. Uh, I've never... I do not mind Billy Joel. <laughs> uh, let's put it that way. I never really dove into his music. That's how I feel about Bowie. And I know there's fans about Bowie and stuff. And I feel like, yeah, he's got a good collection. But I don't think Bowie's... I think Bowie's transcended his music into being more or less an icon to be put on shirts. But uh, um, Billy Joel, the piano man, I mean, like who does that's like probably everyone's favorite karaoke song, drunken song to listen to. Um, we didn't start the fire. It's great. It's nice. I I like Billy Joel because he's still very political, but in a very pop sense, because he still made songs that were still catchy enough that like you didn't know if he was being political or not, but it was something that you can still bop your head to, and he's still doing it. The guy's still doing it. So like he and he never had a single sound. He was still very much. It was always him, a piano, you know, he's still doing that. And, like, he has a very fun... His music has always been very high energy and very fun. Um, and I'm not from... He's from New York, right? Like I'm, He's from New York. Yeah, yeah like, I, York I, York I'm York. not from New York. I'm, a, I'm from Chicago. And Chicago's my favorite city. I might be biased. Uh, and, like, I don't mind. I, I like New York for what it is. But I think him, Billy Joel, does create, like, a, a more spunkier side to New York, uh, and then Piano Man, I think is a track that will you'll hear in bars to come because it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful medley of a night out um, where you're drowning your sorrows or you're celebrating a, a friend's uh, a friend's milestone accomplishment, yeah, accomplishment just, something like that. Yeah, it's, he captures a room perfectly in that song, and um, I think Billy Joel is going to transcend all that. He'll last from the for years to come. I don't I don't see him. I don't see him going into the wayside of of kids not picking up a Billy Joel record just as much as Michael Jackson record, no matter how they try to slander certain people Um, in this cancel culture we live in. But I I still think that Billy Joel will be up there as far as somebody who's going to be remembered, um, who will hear his tracks in an essential playlist like you're going to always hear it in a bar. Or if there's going to be a 70s night, or an 80s night, or a 90s night, you'll hear it. And yeah, I think Billy Joe's a good pick. Okay, number three, we had
0: to go. I had to go with Latin music. I had to go with Marco Antonio Solis, yeah. <laughs> also known as Ibuki, or should not translate in translating English, the kid. The okay, yeah. kid. It is a guy who pretty much, you know. He and his brother and his cousins, they started a band, Los Bukis, and, you know, he kind of branched out. I kind of like for a fact, like the music back in the time, they used synthesizers, which I did not realize they used oh, synthesizers yeah. or beats, and um, he's done, like, he's done kind of like old-school Latin rock and a little bit of a mariachi. He does, he does, like, ballads and stuff, but he does incorporate a lot of mariachi, like banda sound, which he can transcend, and he's a legend to me, like... He's always high, highly regarded as one, like, um, pioneers of early Latin rock, because mm. it was his group, and, you know, I always enjoy his music. I got his, like, top 40 songs he's done collection on Spotify, I got saved the my thing, and, you know, every song he does is great. I mean, there's so many songs I like from him, I can't really name one, because they're all so good. So, I know my dad, because, it, because my dad, our dad, he kind of introduced us to those Wookiees, because every time we went in a car or we we're on road trips in the car back in the day, yeah, we we're still, because gas was still affordable back then. Um, yeah, they always had a tape deck filled with, uh, with the bookie songs, and that kind of, like, threw me to them. I'm not, I don't listen to a lot of Latin music, even though I am um, Hispanic, and I, you know, I try little by little, but to me, when it comes to artists like that, I do see, I do hold him to a high regard
1: when it comes to Latin music. Fucking bookie, man. I agree, right? that guy's i am i'm speechless the guy's so fucking he is uh, if i were to put him in another revered american singer as far as what he did i mean he had a successful band career a successful solo career that's still going strong he's covered a lot of classic songs from gente he is a bookie for a reason um he still sells out shows He's still one of the only people who make a song that still hits me pretty hard. Like, out of a lot of songs I listen to, like that one, uh, his, his songs are such great reminders of showing appreciation for love and romances, romanticism. It's like his stuff is kind of like having Shakespeare in, in a Latin tone of mm-hmm. him being able to capture people's hearts with just his wonderful voice. And his accompanying band is still very well solid, and I think he'll continue to put out anniversary stuff. And he still sounds the same, like that guy's oh, yeah. top is still there. Yeah, like, he still takes care of himself. It's always good to see a performer still being able to be at his best, even as the age. And they, they, you know, they, they entertain. It, it's, it's just he's he's the bookie for a reason. He's so impactful. Right. Number two, Lincoln Park.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, if you don't remember Lincoln Park, here, here's why I have Lincoln Park's number two, because there were two types of music, it was something like my cousins introduced me to in the late 90s, because I wasn't much of a music guy, you know, I, I heard like Crescent Rock over the years, but what got me more into music more was Lincoln Park. Um because, you know, my cousin's introduced to like you know, Hybrid Theory was the first album. That was one of my first albums that I got was Hybrid Theory. It was my first music album I got. And you know, that it was a sound because it was like rock. But a little bit of like, you know, like a DJ techno kite sound because like New Metal, they called it. You know, it was a combination of, you know, rapping and, you know, alternative tracks and, you know, adding a little like music, like record scratching in it because they had almost like they had like Mr. Han, who was like the DJ type of the band. And you had different sounds. You had, you know, Sonny's Keyboard gets into it or Mike Shinoda, who sometimes raps in the songs, you get Chester Benton. You know, rest in peace, R.I.P., you know, he with his vocals. And it was a good band. I enjoyed their music. They had so many good hits over the years. You know, N.D.N., New um, Divide, um, uh, We Are Not Alone, and there's a top of songs they did like collaborations with a lot of artists, so uh, with Steve Aoki and did, like reanimations Wonder Go albums was they did like oh, a yeah. lot of collaborations best, with different man. artists and stuff, I and even like with Jonathan one. Davis from Korn. I mean, they did a collaboration with him, the Humble Brothers. I mean, there's so many, and you know, Mike Shinoda's like he had his own thing with Fort Minor, like his own solo act. But of course, I kind of like for the fact you know even after Ch- Chester Bennington passed away, they're still keeping that you know that sound alive. You know, they haven't found anybody to replace them, so they're like they're still around. But they're like still playing the hits and stuff, and you know moving on. But you know, in Chester's memory, they're paying homage to him. So that that's my number two. Who would you be picked as your number two?
1: Well, I mean, I I, I like Lincoln Park. Cause it was, they were, they, I mean, they're fucking every, they, they were very much one of the biggest acts from the the new metal fucking scene from them and Limp Bizkit. Yeah, Limp Bizkit was a long. Um, Incubus was thrown in there. I I want to say Incubus. I really like them still. Brandon Boyd. I mean, I fucking follow him on Instagram, cause he's just a handsome devil. <laughs> um, but he's also very much aligned, and and I I like how we how he thinks, and I just like what he does for the art community. He's an act, a very talented painter, by the way. Um, but Incubus was also very structured, similar to Linkin Park, but they, their sounds can be so different. They both had DJs. They both had excellent guitarists. They both had excellent bass guitars, excellent drummers. Um, vocalists were both very, very, very talented. I mean, Chester Bennington had a, a very, a very unique voice in that time. F- for kind of. And I think it complimented Mike Shinoda's rapping very well. They were able to structure songs that were different at the time, and, and albeit, like, them and Korn were thrown in there. Like, it was a... Uh, as far as leaving, I guess, leaving the grunge scene into and yes, like into as well grunge and, and alternative sounds and the whatever... It the, kind they, of made the like,
0: alternative genre, if you think about
1: it. They, they were one of the pioneers of the Yeah, oh, genre. yeah. I mean, they filled it in, and those guys were the Domon, like all those people are pretty mainstream in that i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of other bands that grew up within that time frame that um were kind of pushed to the wayside but there's still very much i think if you just dive into the 90s which is still to this day since music has always been uh something to that gets clouded a lot and it, i think it's even worse now that you have to dig and dig and dig and with algorithms throwing you different ones i think it's also a good time to kind of find your own and discover different things, and mm-hmm. and I I I got through Incubus because of that through through families and friends, and I and I grew to love them a lot. Um, I and I I'm a fan of Linkin Park too, so but I think Incubus I like them a little more, but Reanimation, still to this day, yeah, is yeah one I still of my like that album. remix like, albums yeah. uh, even before they did the collaboration with Jay Z, which I think like it's not every day that um. Uh, a rock alternative band or I'll just call it alternative band collaborate with such a a pivotal rap star such as Jay-Z and he's he's a business he's a mogul so like that was unheard of And, and they when they did that collaboration CD it was interesting they did a mashup but I think it was also very awesome to see these two artists these two abandoned artists collaborate on such a project that like oh they were already doing rap let's 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 try reaching out to jay-z i think he was producing in the same studios um at the time and i think that's what got them together because they might have been on the same uh oversight like overseeing label Probably Before he I mean he did have Rockefeller Records But I think I mean Rockefeller Records I think it was more like MTV kind of Approaching with the idea Of doing it And it was like And since MTV was still A thing at the time They didn't They weren't able to uh, And they were able To provide that for us But um, yeah I I don't mind saying Linkin Park Is being a very good Number two And throwing an Incubus in there too Okay so now Before we leave For today Here's
0: our number one To me my number one Will have to be Metallica Metal look up because of the fact of the hardcore, you know, the rock scene back in the day. You know, and it's like this is a band that went through so many bass <laughs> members, um, even members so of, that you know end up going on to fight other bands. Um, so you had many. um, Dave Mustaine, who was at that time was one of the part of the original lineup, before he got let go, and of course, Dave Mustaine up fighting Megadeth. Um, uh, then you had you know, they had Cliff Burton, who was their first gun um, bassist, he ended up um dying in a car in a bus accident they had a bus accident when they were touring in Germany and, and Europe and he ended up not making it so they paid tribute to him they had another bass guitarist but to me now they got Robert Trujillo who pretty much he came from other collaboration groups he worked for you know Ozzy Osbourne and other you know bands and he to me now he's like um, he's out up there with Metallica themselves you know he's done a good job sticking with them throughout the end that's the same lineup that's been going on I mean even their latest album Hardwire that song Hardwire is really good.
1: Oh yeah, man. That, old, really that really album
0: like in that. general was like back like back to to me it was more yeah. like a
1: back to basics album. It reminded me of the song Whiplash they had back in the day.
0: Like it's like the, it was like a back like their whole album yeah. was like a back to like basics type album, like back to the, what they used to be, you know. I mean, they had the Black Album, they had, you know, Garage Inc. was basically, like, they did, you know, some songs, they did a lot of cover songs, but they did, like, covers a lot, they did a lot of covers for the Misfits, too, it was, like, surprising they did a lot of cover songs from them, and they did one for Bob, Bob Seger, they did a uh, the Hage cover of Bob Seger, um, they did just, like, covers from other bands, which I didn't realize, and, you know, yeah. it was really good, and I do, you know, I want, and I like the album they did with the orchestra. S&M, which was kind of cool. And I even had the DVD of the concert itself. And it was, it was kind of cool. They did like that. With like, Who would have a hard rock group, like a metal group like Metallica, collaborating with a symphony orchestra? And actually, the two sounds actually actually made good like mix. It was a good mixture of classic over in, in, in rock. That's something I do recommend. I mean, you probably find it on YouTube now, but I do have the DVD of that performance itself. Um, it's really good. And like I said, the hard wire was like, that album to me it was like back to the days I had Kill, I Kill 'em All was their first album which you know it had Whiplash Four Horsemen all that stuff um, turn off the lights and all that stuff hit the lights it was called um, you know Master of Puppets is another song I like um, Ride the Lightning um, was a good one you know uh, One that's a good song from their Injustice for All album um, Enter Sandman from the Black album I mean, there's so much I can list. Um, what would be your number one? Oh, God. What, uh, were, you, what were you posing a taco with?
1: Um, we're doing metal? No, I, no, no. no, no. Like just just so wrong, I as overall as you I can't do... For music, I can't do top five, but... Uh, mm. I want to say uh, the fucking Beatles, which I know is so cliche. Everyone loves the fucking Beatles, and I like them to death a lot. I love them to death, but the Beatles... Have uh, have been such a influential band for day- years to come. I mean, they're not going to go anywhere anytime soon, unless there's a big like fucking nuclear fallout and, and everything gets lost in the shuffle, which probably won't, because we have time capsules everywhere. But nonetheless, we they're they're everywhere. There's they're so influential here and 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 across the seas, everywhere in the world. I mean, they made a fucking movie about them. Uh, and if you haven't seen the documentary by Ron Howard, I highly suggest it. It's lo- it's just very beautifully done and if you're not a fan of Ron Howard's work, um excellent director. I think he's a, he's very really good at at and developing and if I don't know if he develops screenplays, but whatever team he hires to to bring these visions into effect, I think it's very well. I believe it's on Hulu still. Um, but it's an excellent it's an excellent way to kind of it, it made me fall in love with them again even more not that I didn't beforehand but each each Beatles member was extremely talented and we were and I not from the sixties but I think that era was definitely a big era for a lot of music everywhere I mean there's so many super bands at that time but the Beatles for me stood out because it was such they're such an influential band they. They went through a lot of different changes, even from the beginning of their of their starts, to even to the point to at their at their breakup and demise from the band and and the loss of John Lennon and and George Harrison. But Ringo and Paul McCartney are still going strong, guys. So we can still hope for them. They still like pull through. But I think they deserve to have uh, a lot more credit for times to come. And I think that band, if if you don't listen to the Beatles music, I feel bad for you. Um, and if you, especially now, I just, I can't believe it if you don't. There, yesterday still remains one of my favorite tracks of all time. Um, come together. Just so many tracks that were not only politically aware, but they made songs about love, songs about drugs, songs about everything. I mean, they went through it, they were like the band that actually did it. And they found success doing it, and to this day they're still doing it. And so I can't, I cannot stress them enough that you can need to listen to them, um, and watch that documentary. I, I can't remember what it's fucking called. I think it was oh, Eight Days a Week is what it's called. There you go, which is a great song too. Um, but and it's directed by Ron holler Howard. Howard, it's on Hulu. You, I, it's an excellent watch. Please, please watch it. It will teach you. All that you need to know about the Beatles through the recording sessions. They they really dug up their. They really did their research and found old videos of them recording in Abbey in Abbey Road Studios and and being able to really capture that sound and and uh, uh, Phil Spector just being an excellent um, producer for them and. Really cultivated, cultivating their sound, these guys really put the work in. Like they, when they say eight days a week and a hard day's night, they weren't kidding me. I mean, they were in movies. Like they haven't, we haven't seen a, a band transcend into movies since Elvis was there, and Elvis was in, starring in all these movies, and 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 I'm not the biggest fan there of Elvis, but I. I understand his cultural significance, but like, fuck! Like the Beatles were were insanely were insanely influential, and they still are. And I'll throw in the Rolling Stones as an honorable mention too, because the Stones, like, say what you will, it was there. I mean, it got to the point that there was like a you, there was sides like the Republican and Democrats, so where you're like either a Stones fan or you're a Beatles fan, and like, fuck that! I like them both a lot. There's no, they were both putting out, man. They're both putting out fucking crazy, crazy, crazy stuff for the '60s, man. I just, I can't like, man. I sometimes I, I I don't wish I was born in the '60s, but to get a time machine and to really see how that all goes down, it's like it was insane. And and I can't stress that documentary enough. So like, I I want to say the Beatles were. I mean, they they influence everyone. I think it's they they should be number one. All yes, right. And looks
0: and like so. that sound. Looks like um, it's time for us to wrap it up. So yeah, um, probably the next episode we're gonna we are gonna talk about the Joker. Because, I mean, there's a lot of talks about, you know, controversy with it going into the premiere. Um, we will talk about it. We're actually going to plan to go see it this weekend. So that way we can give you guys our thoughts, you know, we'll do like a review of it. And um, like I said, um, you can catch uh, the past episodes of our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes. Pretty much anywhere you can get your podcast, We're on there. Um, as always, geek on and take care.